Hey guys, Matt here. Thanks for listening to episode 6 of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I want to let everyone know that our contest is still going strong and that if you have any interesting or memorable movie theater experiences to share with us, you can email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. I think I'm going to throw in a $10 gift certificate to uh, amazon.com to whoever has the best story, and we've had a lot of really good ones so far. And So get your submissions in, and we'll probably get the, uh, we'll probably start announcing the winners, and we'll send out the gift card probably in two weeks. Uh, uh, we don't have a firm date d- down or anything like that. Anyway, uh, this episode is our sixth episode, and I just, I had a blast with this one. Uh, me and Tiny were joined by my friend Mike from Evansville. Um, Mike is one of my closest friends and uh, we met about eight years ago. He and Tiny had never met before this podcast. Um, and they're they're two of my best friends in the world. So this was just a really interesting a really interesting day recording this podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did recording it. Um, so enjoy and let us know what you think. You know, send us an email, ovpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. it's it's nice to meet your voice yes it's nice to put a voice with the name uh-huh. <laughs> and i've had a theory for for a while i've known matt for eight years i've had a theory for about seven that there is no tiny that ah. the, that tiny is a fabrication of matt's uh either imagination or 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 just some sick ruse that he's psychosis yeah <laughs> like if any if anybody's gonna pull that off it'd be matt it would be Almost like he, you know, he moved away from Evansville after freshman year, and he and he just wanted me to feel bad. <laughs> you stay in Evansville, Mike. I'll, I'm gonna hang out with Tiny. I have my <laughs> own friend up here. Yeah. <laughs> you've never seen him. You've never heard of. You've never heard his voice. You've never met him. But he's here. He's real. <laughs> For like a year after college, he did refer to me as Indianapolis Mike. Yes, yeah. and I refer to Mike as uh, as Evansville Tiny. <laughs> still convinced probably until i meet tiny in person that uh that it, it is matt's mom with like an affectation <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which is fine i'm matt's mom <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're going to be discussing pacific rim and the 2013 emmy nominations but just for a brief moment uh before we start i wanted to comment on something i watched on uh uh the simpsons i was watching I've been watching a lot of The Simpsons. I'm kind of going through the whole the whole series just in the background while I'm pretending to be productive. Um, and I'm on season 18 now, shockingly enough. This has like been a year that I've been doing this. Wow. <laughs> How did you get past season nine? I had it on in the background. <laughs> this uh, all the last like nine seasons have been just background noise to me. But um, I caught something that every time I watch like a a cartoon sitcom. I always have this little thing in the back of my head that um, it's just it's just it's weird to me that they don't age. I mean, I understand I, it's a cartoon; they don't need to age or anything. But I mean, I just feel like it's just kind of creepy. So there was this episode in season eighteen of The Simpsons where it opens with Marge reading in a magazine that uh, having a baby with that is dependent on her pacifier is just is bad for her mental health or whatever her development. So they take away Maggie's pacifier, and then uh, she freaks out and all that. And all I'm thinking is, it doesn't matter because she's never going to age. 
And it's just almost tragic to think that these characters are just there. Like, she should be 18. She should be moving out of the house, and she's still a baby. And that's just, that's horrible. It is kind of weird. My, yeah. It is weird. My thing has always been, um, I guess not always, but in the last couple of years, there, there are more... There are more episodes now of The Simpsons. What are they up to? Like, three some three hundred something. Three something. Yeah. Yeah. Three hundred something. There are almost more episodes than there are in a year, and they haven't aged a year yet. They've celebrated several birthdays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's just something that always. I guess that's why I can't get past. Right. And plus, it just the, it the whole yeah the quality just goes to hell. Um, yeah. uh, so shall we get on to our first uh, topic of discussion in the uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro wow you butchered that it did it was it just lost all of our Hispanic listeners did Mount Gelmanerno Guillermo Guillermo Will Ermo <laughs> del Toro um, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pacifus his summer blockbuster his new summer blockbuster Pacific Rim it's a mesh of Transformers and Godzilla and it's just monsters fighting robots and it has a crazy cast and all that uh, just of big name actors of small screen and large screen um, and so we, we all three have seen it over the past week and we're going to discuss it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out by saying I wasn't a big fan of it. What did you guys think? Uh, you know, um, so many people on the internet just hyped it so hard mm-hmm. and went into it with such high expectations. And I guess I didn't have that high expectation. Uh, apparently, there's this big group of, of kaiju fans who've been waiting for this movie forever. Or Really? Huh. I don't know that there really are, but I, I everybody seemed to be super excited about it as as soon as this came out um but i'll say that you know when the movie was over i was it was pretty much exactly what i expected sure same same here yeah you know neither neither pleasantly surprised or incredibly let down okay simply entertaining and i and i you know i can get into more detail in a minute tiny would you say uh, yeah i think a big i agree with the whole hype thing i think a big part of that is Guillermo del Toro just has a huge following with amongst nerds. Um, and I mean, I'm a nerd. I, I, I like the guy. He's a great, I think he's a really great visionary director. Yeah. Um, I love, I love Pan's Labyrinth. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's his visually, that's his greatest achievement in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it, it did have a lot of hype around it and the cast was really big and yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, it had a lot of hype and, I don't know. I, I agree with what you said that it basically just met my expectations. It was it served its purpose, I guess. Okay. That's how I felt. Yeah. I uh and to to speak about the big hype surrounding it and all these kaiju fans and all that. I think part of that might be that it, this was one of the only like big huge summer blockbusters that I can think of off the top of my head this year that is an original property of as a as an original idea because I mean it, it didn't come from any source material to my knowledge. And I think maybe people were just excited to have something that they they didn't have anything to to judge it against or anything like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, huh. But can we all agree that the script was just god awful? It was really bad. Yes. It 
I saw it. I saw it with a friend, and um, you know, we we see a movie in the theaters every week. And mm-hmm. the first thing he turns to me, he goes, "The acting was bad." I said, "Well, no, not really, but I think the script was terrible." I agree completely. I was thinking about that, like while, like there were there were lines where Charlie Hunnam would say, uh, say something that would just come across as just super cheesy, like. I can't even think of any off the top of my head, but any anytime someone said something cheesy, it'd be like, wow, that's my default would be like, that's horribly acted. But I mean, he has the movie has, I mean, Charlie Day, Charlie Hunnam, as much as I dislike Sons of Anarchy these days, Charlie Hunnam's talented. Um, Idris Elba, um, uh, a bunch of people that are just like they're they're really talented actors and they're just coming across just flat and just uninspired because the script is flat and uninspired. They had nothing to work with. Exactly. I have this thing, and I and I've uh, talked about this before with you, Matt. I have trouble getting past fake American accents. We can talk about that perhaps on another podcast. Right. Um, yeah. Higher. <clears throat> anyway, um, the Charlie Hunnam clearly British, Idris Elba clearly British. Um, but there are just times where you could where you could hear their native accent coming through and that for me uh made particularly uh Idris Elba seem flat. It's interesting that you mentioned Idris Elba's um his uh his accent because was wasn't he playing like this is native accent or was it just shining through that much throughout the movie? He, I, he was he was using his native accent in the movie. Yeah. I thought it was. So. Okay. I I thought it was thicker. I thought he okay. had a thicker accent than he was using. He may have toned it down a little bit for the movie. That's always possible. Part of it did sound like he was trying not to do it, but then he just defaulted into it. Um, back, back. Yeah, yeah. So I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, visually, it was just, it was visually astounding. I mean, it Absolutely. was just, it was incredible. The one, the one complaint I have is that I want to just, I just want to go to Del Toro and be like. Dude, why did it have to be raining in every single action scene? I mean, that doesn't add anything to it. Um, I mean, it adds just an aesthetic thing to it, but I mean, switch it up a little bit. Funny that you say that. My my favorite shot of mm. uh, of one of the kaiju, one of the creatures, was like the first shot of the movie when it's daylight, yes, it's skies, and he and he uh, and he attacks like the Golden Gate Bridge. Is that? I was yeah, you're exactly right because I was going to make the same point. That was my favorite part too when it's taking over the bridge. Oh yeah, that was, At least that was my incredible. favorite creature scene. Right. Um, can we talk a little bit about plot holes and just? I mean, okay. First of all, and I, I talked about this to, with Tiny, and he kind of shot down my, <laughs> shot it down a little bit for me. But are these? It seemed like, in in the, like the final action scene or in any of the action scenes that take place on water. Is it? Are we supposed to believe that these that the that the that the Jaegers can walk on water or something? Because it seemed like they weren't deep enough. Rocket propulsion that keeps them loading at the knees. Really? Are you, are you talking about? No, no, no. You, okay. Are you talking about the, how the levels of the water varied depending on what the scene needed? It it seemed like they were. It seemed at times that they were walking on water, and I understand that they these are huge, huge machines. Um, yeah. Like I actually saw a picture that kind of that compared them all to like other things, and like Optimus Prime is just like a little a little tiny baby compared to it. But sure. so I understand that it's like it's not it's shallow water because they're kind of close to like Hong Kong or whatever. But it just seemed like like I was just it was 
I was at that point where I was trying to pick apart the movie, so I just went ahead and thought, like, are they supposed? Are we supposed to think that they're buoyant or whatever, or, or because they're too top heavy to be buoyant or to, to float on water? Um, so I was just like looking for things, and that's not something I like to do. Like I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who I'll go into a movie and I'll, if I'm on board with it, I'm just, I just go with the flow, and then later I, I pick a, pick it apart. Um, but this was like I was just seeking things to complain about, and that was one of the things that came up. Uh, if I'm getting what you're you're asking, you you're confused, and I think I was too, at how at some times the Jaeger could could almost stand on the water, at least at knee knee level. But then yes. at the climax of the movie, are we are, is this spoilers galore here? Um, let's keep it spoiler free. But I know what you're saying. Like it was walking underwater. We'll say that exactly several thousand feet below water. Right. I mean, on the on the on the on the ocean bed, right? Yeah, and that's where that's where the discrepancy in my mind came. Um, I wonder, I wonder if it's the scenes at the knees was that because it was close to the coast? Yes, that that's the point that I made because there's the like if I'm not like a geology expert, but I know that like the closer you get to the shore, the higher the the the, the less deep. The water is because there's there's a there's like a continental shelf that right. drops off. There's like a steep drop off, and that's what they show in that the the climax of that right. the climax of the film. They show them walking down that shelf, going deeper and deeper. And all of the I made the point that all of the fighting before that between the Jaegers and the Kaiju all happened close to shore. And some I mean sometimes that shelf can go like a hundred miles out to sea. Right. In some in some places of the world, I don't know specifically, because most of the fighting took place in Alaska and Hong Kong area. Yeah. So I, I think I don't know specifically in those areas how far out that goes, but I think that's just safe to assume that that's what happened. Okay, yeah, I can get on board with that. But okay, I'm I'm gonna break the rule that I just established, and I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it. But I will say that right now, if you're when you're listening to this, I'm about to spoil it, and you can look like pause it and check and see the notes and everything, and I'll tell you when to pick it back up in the notes or whatever um so prepare because i'm about to spoil it okay at the end when they're when they're going down what i'm what i'm effectively calling the jaeger bomb um <laughs> they establish like i talked about this to Ti- with tiny and mike maybe you can maybe you can shed some light on this so they take the bomb down but they can't go through the barrier to go through the wormhole until uh, unless they have like have have hold of one of the creatures one of the one of the kaiju so that they can gain access, correct? Right, the DNA code. Right. Exactly. So why why is it that when they go down, when they're down there and everything, they're able to come back up through it in their in their their uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? The, they go through they go through the portal and then they're in that other universe, but then they eject like escape pods. Escape pods, yes. From the from the Jaegers, but they make it. They manage to get all the way through back to our universe. Yeah, I mean, I agree. More more spoilers. I'm okay with that. The girl got through because she was ejected in the throat. Yes. Yes. Correct. Charlie Hunnam's character is all the way in the other dimension. I yeah. It. You make a good point. Yeah. Well, and I think I think this is gonna get nerdy here, but like I think what it is is that the the beings in the other universe. They control the portal, so they control what comes in. So that's why they had to have the the body of the kaiju, but they don't necessarily control what goes out. Like I, th- I would think for 
for there to be control about what comes onto what comes into our universe, we would have to be controlling it on our end. But because there's no one controlling it on our end, anything could come through. That's how I feel about it. And it's that's that's a bit of a stretch. It's never it's they should they should allude to that, I guess, in the movie to make it clear, but it's a big popcorn movie, so they're not too worried about those details. But I get what you're saying. Right. It was sloppy. That, yeah, I'll sloppy. leave it at that. Okay, uh, can we close out spoilers now and go back to non-spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Whoa, whoa, those were crazy spoilers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just thought that the script was, like I said, it was awful, and not not, not just dialogue-wise. It was awful on all counts. Dialogue, structure, um, just basic storytelling elements. It was very formulaic. It was very just kind of you could see everything coming a mile away. Like I... Like I wanted not to do spoilers, but I mean honestly, you could you could go back and listen to it, and it's it's everything you expected. But don't, because I don't want you to be mad at me. <laughs> could I um talk about one thing? The, you when you you texted me your initial reaction after you saw it. Yes. It was about forty five minutes too long. Absolutely. I agree com- completely. Uh, and my comment was it it's forty five minutes in the middle. Yes, it was very muddled in that in that like second act. Absolutely. And more than anything, for me, it was the Idris Elba and his adopted daughter. Yes. When when they had the first when when they uh when they had the first scene where they did the trial of where they did a trial run of it where they were testing out the the uh, uh Jaeger with them too. Uh-huh. That was the point where I was like, okay, how much longer in this movie do I have? Because um, <laughs> it was just backstory and i knew at that point that it was just it was something i'm not going to care about like if i was watching it at home i would have been checking my phone throughout pretty much the entire movie my my friend who saw the movie mm-hmm. when and as soon as the as soon as they go the one pops up in hong kong Kong is over mm-hmm. about to... yeah yep the thing the thing about the middle of the movie um i'll talk specifically about the adopted daughter the first time you see the, the little girl it's pretty thrilling i like that scene a lot and i agree yeah and visually it was great it was it was, it it was, was scary. scary yeah um but the second time you see it and and she stops and she turns around the cor- more spoils sorry now whatever um, turns around the corner and she looks up at the big jaeger and it's like two minutes before it gets to the top and then his elbow comes out and you're supposed to Yes, that's the, he finds her. I mean, <laughs> so long. Why was that moment so long? I didn't need that at all. And why were we supposed to be surprised? Because yeah. it was exactly. so. Ugh. And yeah, to Matt's point about just the sloppiness of the film overall, I I didn't I didn't care about any of the character development at all. Me neither. Even and like even even in the beginning when I don't know if we should spoil it or not. Just about. Well, if it's in the beginning, well, early in the beginning of the, it's like the opening part of the film. The catalyst for his, for for Charlie Hunnam's journey or whatever. Yeah, basically, he's he's like the, he's a co-pilot with his brother, and in the beginning, his brother dies. Right. And so, like even that point, being that you know I have an older brother, mm-hmm. I should have really connected with that and been like you know I should it should have affected me, but it really just didn't. I just didn't really care. I in same thing with Idris Elba and the Asian girl. I just I didn't care. I, it, it it took away from the action basically. It's like show me show me some more fights. That's all I wanted to see. I agree completely. 
I had trouble buying how elite you had to be to pilot a Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they played up this bond that you're supposed to have with your co-pilot, and then the the Asian the Asian girl and Charlie Hunnam was like, "Oh, hey, yeah, we're good." Uh, yeah, after like ten minutes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, there was something. Oh, oh, the. Um, first of all, the the actor, the 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 two, the father and son, who are who are the co-pilots. Um, first of all, I looked it up because I was like, throughout the whole movie, I'm like, wait, are they brothers or uh, no? They're father and son. Oh, okay. Because uh, the guy like referred to him as like, oh, my old man. And I was like, is that just what they call their co-pilots? Because because <laughs> they didn't look like father and son. They didn't look age appropriate. And I looked it up, and the father is like only 14 years older than the son. And that's the only time that I've thought that like casting like in recent memory of any movie that I've seen is like, wow, the father and son that that just doesn't work. Um, hmm. but the, the the son in that scenario, it was such just such a hackneyed kind of thing, or kind of kind of just a it, it it was like okay, well we need a character to breed like be uh, to 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 not like Charlie Hunnam. We need our hero to have just a guy that doesn't like him. So like, hey, oh here, let's just make this pilot that oh they have a dog and we'll throw him in and he'll just be like uh, an antagonist for Charlie Hunnam for no reason at all. Yeah. Just and, to add and, friction. Yeah. And a pilot for the climax, so they had another Jaeger. Right. Yeah, basically. We need we need another Jaeger. Let's let's make up some characters. Yep. Right. Uh at the end when they showed or or when they had I think there were like three Jaegers in play in the climax of it. And like that one, I had no idea who those people were. Yeah. That's true. Uh, just a mess of a movie. I just, I, I'll, I enjoyed watching it for the visuals, um, but I'll never see it again. I probably, I'll probably never see it again unless I do a Del Toro. Um, notice I haven't been using his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out of myself. Um, unless I do like a Del Toro retrospective, in which I'll have plenty to say about it on the blog. Do you, do you include a Benicio in there? <laughs> The, That'd make good a good double feature, like the usual suspects and Pan's Pan, Pan's Labyrinth or something. Labyrinth, yeah. <laughs> Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I I agree, and I think I think um Charlie Day like was really underused. He really was. The, the whole movie could have used. Yeah, he could have used a lot more. The movie in general could have used a lot more comic relief, mm-hmm. and he would have been perfect for that because he's he's an improvisational actor and he's. He's a writer. He's a producer. He does all kinds of stuff. He would have been perfect for the comic relief, but he has like maybe a couple lines, and that's it in the whole movie. Yeah, he uh, he's I've said it before, and I will say it again many times that he is probably one of the best, if not the best, comedic actor working today. Oh yeah, he's up there. Yeah, and he's yeah you know, he was in probably twenty percent of the movie. I would say total. Um, yeah, if that. If that, and I mean his. His whole arc was just completely unnecessary. It was part of the muddled kind of midway point, and it was, I don't know. Ugh. Well, unnecessary or an homage to scientists' characters in these type of movies? Uh, you could say that. Both. You know? <laughs> well, okay, right, true. Yeah. Um, unnecessary, but I, but I don't think, um, I don't know, I don't think inconsequential. Okay, yeah. He he was he was probably for me aside from the visuals. He was probably my favorite part of the movie, just because I'm a Charlie Day fan, and I thought 
in in his over the topness. I mean, it was over the top no matter what, but he kind of had this charm to the over the topness of it. Um, <laughs> if that makes any sense, maybe I'm just a Charlie Day fanboy, but he did the best he could with the character. Yeah. 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 He did. He, I don't know. About, um, I guess you could call it a day effect of with the, when they're out in space and, and they're, they're hopeless. And Charlie Hunnam says, we, there's nothing more we can do. And they're all, no, there's one thing we can do. And they have a sword <laughs> that they haven't sword. used at all. Just they haven't nowhere. alluded to, they haven't referenced and it. What killed me was that Charlie Day, or Charlie Hunnam was actually, he actually said, we're out of options. <laughs> oh, we have You've the sword. nothing left. Uh, why didn't he remember the sword? It, that's one problem. The other problem is, why didn't they use the sword yeah. at all before? Yeah. Which and clearly it, it slices was... through these things like butter. It's yeah. very effective, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the other the other Jaeger like had like sword arms too. So I mean it's why not make it standard for I don't know. It was Yeah. Uh yeah. It was a mess. Yeah. So in in closing for me, I just I didn't like the script. Thought the visuals were great. Won't see it again probably. Uh any parting thoughts for you, Mike? Um Samesies. I <laughs> I really like Charlie Hunnam. Um I I think he could do a lot of action stuff. Uh, except I, you know, I don't like Sunday Hannah. Uh, and then just Charlie Day needs to be. It really does. Great, yeah. Tiny, any last words? Um, pretty much the same. I think I, you know, I can't lie. I actually had a good time with the movie. I, I, I had a good time. I, I didn't, you know, I got my seven and a half bucks worth out of it, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I liked watching a giant robot use an oil tanker as a weapon. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You yeah. gotta you gotta admit that stuff's kinda cool. But yeah, and, and I agree about Charlie Hanam as well. He's I've seen him in other stuff where he's really come across the screen really well. Um he he he, he has the ability to carry a character and to make it better than it is. He he has the ability to be a leading man and to carry a film. So yeah, I, I have high hopes for him still. He's still pretty young and mm-hmm. he can do a lot of great things, I think. But yeah, that's but yeah, overall just not not a great movie. I agree. Okay. Um, well, I went to a theater that had $5 matinees, so I feel like I got I got my money's worth. So, um, All right, should we move on to the Emmy nominations? Let's do it. All right. Well, we'll go through the list from the bottom up, and I'll start us off with... Uh... Outstanding technical direction, camera work, video control for a miniseries movie or a special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because I so... love the Super Bowl uh, halftime show starring Beyonce. Oh yes, yes. Who didn't? Uh, Mike, you watch, you watch uh, Saturday Night Live pretty regularly, don't you? Yeah. Um, I joke that my mom is Saturday Night Live's last true fan. So if, <laughs> if, if I go visit the parents for a weekend, I'll watch it. So I, okay. Not regularly, but I'll watch six episodes. Okay. Because I mean, mm. I noticed that it got some nominations for a couple of the hosts, and Bill Hader, mm. I think, got a nod. It seems like just paying lip service to to a brand, yeah, an institution. An institution, yeah. There you go. Right. I, I think that's the those nominations are indicative of the Hollywood hierarchy, if you will, because people just people in Hollywood still hold SNL in very high regard, as opposed to the fan base, which doesn't really think it's great anymore. By uh, Hollywood hierarchy, you're referring to old people, right? 
Basically, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe they're so disconnected from it that they just that it I just, guess so. um, just to have something to say. Or, uh, I don't know. Um, how about outstanding directing for a comedy series? But like, I noticed that Girls got a nomination, which I I haven't seen Girls the the show. Um, hosting a podcast and running a blog, I don't see a lot of girls in real life either. <laughs> <laughs> what are you but, talking about? <laughs> But there's an episode, the episode that was nominated for Best Directing was uh, On All Fours, which Tiny has told me about. Uh, uh, Mike, do you watch Girls at all, the the show? I don't. My fiance is obsessed with it. Okay. Uh, Tiny, do you want to share your thoughts on Girls? Um, the, the show. show. Again, the show, yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for the show because creatively it's actually pretty impressive. But I absolutely despise every single character on that show. They're all awful people that I just want to backhand after every episode. I hate them. They're just, it's essentially a 28, 29 minute long show of 20 somethings complaining about things that aren't really that bad. It's, 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 they should call the show First World Problems. Nice. So annoying. Um, but, but like I said, it's, it's actually, it's really well written. All the actors are actually really good. I think it's it it paints a sad but accurate picture of the generation that they're talking about. You know, our generation, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an effective show on all those counts. I just despise the characters, and it's it's hard for me to watch it. Really, that's okay. how I feel about it. Yeah. Okay. Looking at sorry. Oh, looking at the nominations. Um, I, I'm surprised to see Glee there. Do do people still watch Glee? Nobody watches Glee. Nobody holds Glee in any regard. I didn't think. I don't think Glee's. I didn't think Glee was relevant enough to garner any kind of award recognition. Right. Like a, like a who will win, who should win kind of deal. Because if I'm going to say who should win, it's, it's Louis C.K. hands down. Just because the amount of creative control and input he puts into absolutely i mean all this brilliant he's he's uh, like it's kind of it seemed like it was nominated kind of across the board and if you look i mean he's he's his name is attached to every almost every nomination i mean writing directing probably editing too i didn't i didn't keep track of the editing ones but i mean he just like you said creative control i mean it's, it's astounding but uh what what i was saying what i was telling tiny last night is that there's so many shows, and this is going this is going on to uh, Thirty Rock getting getting uh, double nominations for writing for comedy series. I feel like the nominees. There's so many shows out there that every nomination, every category of nomination should have a limit. Like one 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 show should only have one representation in that category because Thirty Rock has two has two nominations in writing, and then. Like later, we'll talk about Modern Family having three nomination nominees for supporting actor, but that'll be later. Um, but it's like in situations like that, other shows that are better. I I, I stopped watching Thirty Rock after maybe four or five seasons because I was just kind of bored with it. Mm-hmm. It just it was just kind of like, oh hey, Liz Lemon has a boyfriend. Oh, but she's too she's too quirky and 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 weird or socially inept to handle them. So oh. He dumped her. That's just how it was for me, and there was a good satire and all that, but uh, and goofiness. But I, I just, I just, I was just bored. But anyway, I mean, you have like Parks and Rec would have been perfect for writing. 
yeah for supporting actor later on and like i had a conversation with uh on twitter last night with the the co-host of uh a, a podcast i listened to the title pending movie podcast with uh <laughs> tank and fogs i mean like he was upset because parks and rec didn't get nominated especially nick offerman who we'll talk about later but i mean he I, I, there's just so much talent on both sides of the camera in that series that it shouldn't go unrecognized and i would have said i would be saying the same thing about community if last season's last season of community wasn't a kind of a train wreck yeah it was a bit of a turd a little bit i agree with that and i think i think again back to the hollywood hierarchy or the insider nature of that business i think that's why that happens and if you notice before when we were talking about outstanding directing for a comedy series if you notice that girls the the person who's nominated is actually lena dunham because she directs most of the episodes and I think I think part of the reason why that nomination is there is just because so many people in Hollywood love Lena Dunham. They just they're just huge fans of hers. They're not necessarily making a commentary on her talent, but they're just talking about how much they like her, and so they want to nominate her. Yeah, why that's there. And same thing with Thirty Rock. Like Thirty Rock was really never never much of a ratings giant for NBC. It was just the only reason why it stuck around for as long as it did is because it was hugely critically acclaimed by anyone part of that group that big hollywood group mm-hmm. reason why it stuck around for so long not because of ratings and i think the nominations in that category are indicative of that that they have two nominations for that and that, i think that's why that happens same thing with snl and yeah uh you know uh, modern family i think that's why that happens is because people just people in hollywood just love it and they control who gets on the ballot so that's why it happens yep um, just to be clear, the writing is they the they submit an episode, right? So they are nominated for the writing of an episode, correct? Right. So yes. Is the same said for directing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That to me is is confusing. I guess I just don't understand the selection process. I don't understand the system. And we kind of we kind of talk about. Um, how we feel about the Oscars, Matt, um, Oscar season. Yeah. Now. And you take it with such a grain of salt, and, and I just appreciate um, the the, sh- the shared experience and the, you know, if, if this many people like this movie and I like this, it feels good. I don't know. But if you, if with the Emmys, there's just so many episodes of so many shows, How why why is uh, Paris Barclay's episode of Glee <laughs> particularly noteworthy i right. don't know the answer tiny was actually just talking about that last night because he was wondering he, like what did you say last night about it i said that it seems weird for like for writing especially like why they pick a specific episode and why they don't just view the season as a whole like right. i think i mean it, because it depends. then you can cut down on well you can because seasons have multiple writers that that was the reasoning yeah yeah um, and even if, if even if with writers, um, you get you get one person that's like, oh, they're the credited writer. But I mean, it, it's born out of a writer's room. Exactly. Um, so I mean, people touch it up, and and the showrunners give passes on it and all that. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of, I don't know. I I mean, a, a win for an for a writer of a of a show is just by default a win for the writer's room. True. How I believe. I don't know. I'm talking here from Speedway, Indiana, so I have no idea how Hollywood works, how the inner workings of Hollywood work. So. Can a can a show that aired during the uh, during the eligible time for this 
award uh, that that is now officially canceled be nominated? Yeah. yeah. Endings be nominated for yeah. Outstanding Comedy Series? It can and it should. <laughs> that's why I ask. Outstanding directing. Yeah. Um, but sadly, I mean, I... They're never. They will. I, I. I don't know off the top of my head any any um, instances where a canceled show is nominated, but I just know that they would never do that because that's one of my problems with award shows in general is that it's it's more about just people like the Hollywood elite patting themselves on the back instead of instead of honoring like actual talent like like you guys were saying, Lena Dunham. Everyone loves her. Hey, let's give her an award. Um, right. Yeah. Like I mean. If I don't know if someone that's horrible made something, but people loved him, they'd give him an award because they love him, like on a personal level. I mean, it's just it's politics, right? So I think we can we can officially just to get the podcast moving, we can officially say none of us agree with the way the Emmys work. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. But I guess we can just go through and talk basically what should win. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Um, Okay, so the big one. Hey, Louis C.K. for Louis. Okay, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, I I need to get I need to get into Louis. Do you do you do you appreciate his comedy? Do you watch oh his yeah, absolutely. I just I just haven't gotten around to seeing the show. I've seen the first season, but I just haven't gotten around to the rest of it. And I really like it. Um, just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy series. We have Mayim Balak in uh, butchered it. Uh, My Bialik. Yeah, we have Blossom in uh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, Jane Lynch and Glee, two from Modern Family. Sophia, uh, Sophia Vergara, and Julie Bowen. Then we have Nurse Jackie and and a Thirty Rock nod and and Veep. Uh, Chlumsky, which is my girl. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and she she's very she is very good on that show actually on Veep. She's really funny. That's what she's. I've heard. She's well suited to that comedy style. Nice. Um, do you would you say that you want her to get the win? I'd say toss up between her and Sofia Vergara. Um, just because again, Sofia Vergara is perfect for that role, and she's really hot. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mike, how about you? I um, I just think Sofia Vergara is too too one note for me. I agree. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm not qualified <laughs> enough. Watch enough of these shows. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. And like I said, again, supporting actress in a comedy. I mean, I know Mike. I know you're not a fan of her, but I I think Aubrey Plaza would have been a good uh, nominee yeah. for that for uh, for Parks and Rec. Totally. Yeah. Or uh, or uh, Rashida Jones or anybody from Parks and Rec. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it just got oh. happy endings, really. Oh happy yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Any of them. Alicia Cuthbert, uh, yep. happy endings. I thought that she. I mean, I watched. I was a diehard Twenty Four fan in another life, um, and I, I just, I, I think that she is just perfect for that style, that that sitcom environment. She's like she's she's just perfectly suited for that type of show. And I, I love the the Joey trivianification of her character. <laughs> nice, <laughs> female female lead ish cool. Mm -hmm. to uh comedic dummy yeah yeah right um i'm gonna go on a rant about the big bang theory 
I <laughs> I watched it. For you like, hate it? I do. I, I okay. watched it for like four seasons, just Tiny. on the, in the background. Penny, what do you think of Big Bang Theory? I I loved it at for I loved it like at first the first four or five seasons, but it's it's fallen off in quality. I'm getting kind of tired of the characters, but okay. I still I still watch it because I still like the characters to an extent. I, I still watch it. I, I still enjoy it. Okay, Mike, do you want to be the new official co-host of the Obsessive Viewer? Because <laughs> no, um, <laughs> just kidding. But I just—it's a very accessible show. It's just—it's just lowest common denominator, uh, masquer uh, with the masquerade of being this hybrid or like kind of like people say like, oh, the show's really smart, and it's not. It's—it's just—it's stupid humor under the guise of sci- scientific or scientist characters. That's. I don't know, like they dumb it down. It's it the jokes aren't that funny. It is dumbed down. And my and my big problem, I've always I've said this my thing my thing about Big Bang Theory, and I've said this kind of from the beginning, uh, and I watched a little bit of the first season, was uh was the their geekiness is not authentic whatsoever. Not at all. For for me, and I'm I'm a big uh I'm a big comic book guy, big sci fi guy. Um very specific about my interest. And it's not so much anymore, but you know how you know how there's the you're either Marvel or DC or you're either Star Trek or Star Wars. And that's not always the case, but right. um, a lot of times you're fans of some things and you don't really like other things. The thing about the Big Bang Theory is that they're geeks about everything. Whatever whatever serves the episode, they can be geeks about. That is very true. I agree with that. And uh... To, to to make a not a counterpoint, but I would say that their geekiness is it's not like it's disingenuous. It's just that it's too broad. Like you said, it it covers everything. It's not it, it lacks specificity. It needs there they can't be Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, and Magic the Gathering nerds. Like no those people don't exist. <laughs> the way that you describe that could be the just the perfect description of the entire series. it's too broad they're not yeah and it's it's true they don't like they're not brand loyal to anything because i don't know that's fair episode it's it's funny that it's lord of the Rings. this episode it's funny right they can get this guest star from star trek yeah i will say though that my favorite episode of the big bang theory just total is the is the episode where raj can't talk to women that's that's my favorite one (laughs) <laughs> and the episode where Howard lives with his mom, because uh, those two are just my they don't they don't do it that often. But the episode where Sheldon's weird. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you guys can't detect the sarcasm, I'm I'm laying it on pretty thick because yeah. uh, it seemed like every season had to have one like, oh, Wallowitz lives with his mom and should break away from her, but oh nope he d- isn't. Or Raj can't talk to girls. Let's give him some beer. And oh, that's all right. Although him having the relationship with uh, Suri, Siri, Suri, Siri, um, with Siri was was okay. It's funny because both of those things you just named have been rectified. Have they really? Yeah. Like for real? Wallowitz moved out, and Raj can talk to girls now. Wow. How many? Don't even has try. Don't even try to convince us. It's not oh, oh! I'm never gonna go back to it. Oh, I'm not trying to bring you back because I, I, it's my loyalty is also waning in these later seasons. But I, I guess I just watch it out of nostalgia, really. And plus, Kaylee Cuoco, uh, I love her. Uh, yes, a better show. Eight Simple Rules. Uh, well, for dating my teenage daughter. Once they cut that part off. 
<laughs> Never watched that one. Me neither. Oh, yeah? I'm kind of wondering if you're being sarcastic. No, no. No, John Ritter was excellent. It was, it was a good show. Ending supporting actress. I'm going to say Julie Bowen. Tiny. Yeah. Matt? Um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard really good things about Anna Chalumsky. Of my girl. Um, I haven't seen it, but I'll pull for her just because it, I think it'd be neat to see a child star kind of do that. Although, I guess Mayim Bailik is, is also... Veep! I'll go with Veep. This is a mess. <laughs> uh, supporting yeah. actor? Uh, supporting actor, uh, well, the odds are that it's going to be someone from Modern Family because they're, they're dominating the thing, which it should be Lonson. Yeah. It should, have uh, it should be Damon Wayans Jr. from Happy Ending. Yes. Who I have said to you verbatim in a text, uh, funniest character on TV. Up there, definitely up there. Only up there. Charlie Day, wouldn't you, Matt? Yeah, I would. Well, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say that I, I said that Charlie Day is the best comedic actor working. Not necessarily uh, that. I mean, it's always sunny in its what seventh, eighth season. Something like that. And I'm yeah. getting kind of. I mean, it's kind of it's fun, but I don't know. I like. I, I wish that he would move on. Like they would just move on, and he would he would be the be the uh, comedic film star that he's destined to be. Right. Um, but Tiny, do you want to talk a little bit about Adam Driver? Because I know that you had thoughts about him. Yes, actually, that was for this category, uh, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. He's actually my pick, uh, Adam Driver from Girls. Um, and I think all of the other nominees are, uh, you know, they, they're they due those those nominations, with the exception of Bill Hader, because, again, we talked about that earlier. It's kind of weird, Saturday Night Live being in there. but Yeah. Um, but Adam Driver, he is he is the, the the brightest part of girls, in my opinion. He's ironic because the show's called Girls, and it's a male actor, but he is just absolutely incredible. Um, I he he hasn't done much else. He had a brief brief role in the movie Lincoln, but he had like just a couple lines, and that was it. But he is absolutely just magnetic on Girls. He you can't take your eyes off him. He's and again, it's funny that he's nominated as a comedic in a comedic um, role because his character is incredibly intense. Mm-hmm. Like part of part of his story arc in the first couple seasons was just how the, he was dating Lena Dunham's character, and she thought he was absolutely she thought he was literally insane, like like diagnosably insane. Um, so that's what's interesting about the character; he just plays it perfectly. Um, He's. I can't wait to see what he does next. I'll put it that way. He's. He's incredible. Okay. Um. Let's see. Moving on to uh, now, we're getting into drama, which I. I have to say, I'm just. I'm just flat out ecstatic about uh, Netflix, uh, with House of Cards doing it. Absolutely. Are we talking about supporting again. I'm sorry. Are we talking about supporting again? Uh. Uh. Outstanding directing for a drama series. We'll go with that. Um, but Netflix, I mean, just House of Cards blew me away when I watched it. It was, I mean, it's, it's, it is the best, it is one of the best, if not the best, uh, series on television now. And what just is astonishing to me is that it's not even on conventional television. Yeah. Um, which just makes it all the sweeter. But, um, for I was saying directing for drama series, we have Boardwalk Empire, Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, Homeland, and House of Cards. And this is for directing. and. 
I, I would have to go with House of Cards. I want... I, it's funny because there's Breaking Bad, Boardwalk Empire, and House of Cards. Breaking Bad is about to end. When Breaking Bad ends, and I've said this before on the podcast, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, but Boardwalk Empire is going to be the champion, like the, the best show on TV for me. Um, but then House of Cards could easily, easily take it over. Mm-hmm. In season. So it, it, it'll be an interesting category. What do you guys think? Uh, Tiny? Um, I'm actually, I think Tim Van Patten at, for Boardwalk Empire, I actually think he has the harder, he has the the bigger burden directing that show because it's a period piece, the bigger, bigger cast. But I, I, I'm going to have to go with David Fincher for House of Cards because that's just, he just set the tone for that series perfectly. Um, yeah, it's David Fincher. I mean, can't go wrong with him. So that's my pick, David Fincher. They're, the other directors picked it up perfectly well, and I mean, it just made for one of the best first seasons of a TV show ever. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I'm I've yet to watch House of Cards. Um, I'm really, and I don't watch Downton Abbey. I'm really only familiar with Breaking Bad and Homeland. Okay. Uh, but for me, it's pretty clearly Breaking Bad. A lot of this, kind of you talked about who has the the harder job. Yeah. I don't know that the award is always given to he or she who has the harder job. I think it's show or the favorite show. Mm-hmm. In that sure. case, for me, it would be Breaking Bad. Okay. Okay, yeah. You can't really go wrong in that category, in my opinion. They're all They're all pretty good. I don't think anybody will be let down right right um mike you said that you're familiar with homeland how much of that have you watched because i haven't watched any of it and i'd like to get kind of a read on it only the first couple episodes of the first season okay um, starting and catch up but it was pretty good okay that's Not cool. good enough for me to keep showtime but <laughs> <laughs> okay um Writing for a drama series, we have two episodes of Breaking Bad, Dead Freight, and Say My Name. Um, and then we have an episode of Downton Abbey, and then Game of Thrones, um, and Homeland. Uh, is is Dead Freight the 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 train heist? Yes. Okay. That's, uh, that. No contest for me. That was one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever. I agree. I agree, but I wouldn't pick that uh, for me because. Um, I agree that it was one of the best ones, but Game of Thrones just killed it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to hear my thoughts on that episode of Game of Thrones, go back to episode, what was it, four? Um, yeah. Our special Game of Thrones episode, because we talked ad nauseum about that. That was the, that was one of the most just intense episodes of television that I've ever seen. Um, just the ending was just, it was just magical. Um, and so tragic and just jarring, and I, I loved it. So I'll, I'll go with Game of Thrones with a close second being Dead Freight for Breaking Bad because. So now, are do you, did you have more of an emotional reaction to it, or do you truly think it's the better written episode? Game of Thrones, all of the above. I had really? a very strong emotional reaction to that. I couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was to the point where I literally said to Tiny, I was like, we need to do an entire episode of the podcast devoted to Game of Thrones and that episode because it just had such an effect on me. Um, Agreed. Yeah, for those for those who've seen, I know that you're not a fan of Game of Thrones or you haven't watched it, but 
for anyone li- anyone that's listening who's seen it would knows exactly what we're talking about because it's it's one of the most memorable uh, episodes, uh, scenes, sequences of uh, of television that I've seen in recent memory. Interestingly, I don't I don't disagree with anything that Matt just said, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Breaking Bad, the Dead Freight episode, and the reason is because this is this is specifically about writing. I liked I liked the episode, The Reigns of Castamere for Game of Thrones, that that nomination. I liked that episode better overall than Dead Freight, but I think what what made that episode so great was the acting and the the directing of it the way it was shot i think that's what made that episode incredible for me whereas and that's kind i think of my, and that's kind of my point that i was getting at. and i haven't seen the game of thrones episode so I, I don't come from a place of authority but as far as writing for an episode and i'll let you finish sorry to kanye you no you're fine <laughs> writing for an episode dead freight was i mean it's the best episode of breaking bad i can say that that's a good choice. I, I agree. It's it's up there definitely for me. Go ahead. Go ahead with your point. Okay. My, my point about Dead Freight was that I think kind of what what Mike was saying that it's the structure of I think the the strength of that sh- that episode specifically was the structure of it, how it all played out, how it had to be planned, and I think the plan the planning of that episode lies in the the writing of it, the structure of the writing. So that's why I would pick that episode specifically for writing over. Game of Thrones, in my opinion. Okay, I, I can, I can, I can get on board with those arguments. But uh, my closing, ar- my closing statement for this category would be that I understand. Yes, Dead Freight and Reigns of Castamere, Castamere. If you look at them, they both. The most memorable thing about them, at least for me, was both of the endings of it. I mean, they, they, like they, the way that the endings were executed, <laughs> were. Uh, <laughs> Play. we're just we're just really we're really the most memorable parts of the episode and i think that with the reigns of castamere i just had a stronger emotional reaction i i thought that it was just i i haven't seen dead freight in a while so and it could just be that game of thrones is still fresh in my mind but i just had a stronger emotional reaction and i feel that that's indicative of the quality of the writing um so that's why i'm going with that but yeah any closing statements for this no, I think I covered mine pretty well. Yep, agreed. Okay, well, moving on to uh, supporting actress in a drama series. Now, yes. me and Tiny have a bone to pick with this one, but just running through the running through the uh, nominees, we have Anna Gunn for Breaking Bad, uh, Maggie Smith for Downton Abbey, Amelia Clark for Game of Thrones, um, Christine Baranski for The, the Good Wife. Uh, Marina Baccarin Baccarin for (laughs) Homeland, and Christina Hendricks for Mad Men. Now, I will say that I I don't want to step on Tiny's toes here because I know that he has a lot to say about this, but first of all, I'll just say Kate Mara was robbed. Uh, She needed to be nominated for for, uh, House of Cards, but I'll let Tiny handle that one. But this brings up something interesting for me. Anna Gunn, I've been rewatching Breaking Bad, and I'm I'm up to season three now. And uh, I notice, I mean, people always say like, "Oh, I hate Skylar White so much," and I just I don't get it because personally, for me, I mean, her husband is lying and sneaking around. I mean, she's she has reason to be uh, unlikable, or uh, like on the surface, she could be unlikable because she's going against who we feel is the protagonist of the of the show. 
but she's with, well within her rights. And I think that she did a phenomenal job this last season because uh, her whole arc this season is just she's she's basically a prisoner in her own house. And she wow. did it just so well. Um, True. Yeah, and I just think uh, I, it's a toss-up for me between her and Amelia Clark because I love her and she's... <laughs> uh, she plays Daenerys in uh, Game of Thrones, and I mean, she was great this season. But I think Anna Gunn. I think I'll go with Anna Gunn. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Want to throw it to Tiny for his comments? Let, I'm gonna cut in really quick. Mike, you go right ahead. Go ahead. Right, and just say that I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out of this one because I uh, I haven't watched don't watch most of those shows. I haven't watched Mad Men, uh, save for the first two seasons. Uh, and as far as Anna Gunn is concerned. I don't. I don't think she is as compelling as you think she is. Fair enough. Mostly playing off of what Walter does. So. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I would. I would give it to her out of familiarity, but. I'm... Interesting. Okay. Tiny, tiny okay. Uh, well, the the biggest point I wanted to make was just about Kate Mara because in that, in this show, she has really made her character absolutely her own. I think. Up until she was in this role, she was primarily known for just being kind of a pretty face to put on a character. She didn't have very meaty, deep roles. She was just, like I said, she was just kind of a pretty face. Like, she played the pretty girl. And I think this this um, role really broke her out of that mold because she, the character is so, the character is just so set in her ways. And she's, she, well, I mean, she actually, she does she does evolve a lot, but she's, I don't know. She she really just made the character her own. I can't I can't picture anybody else playing that part now because you know in the past if I had just read about the character I would have said oh maybe this actress would have been better or that actress would have been better but now she she just absolutely took it and ran with it and made it perfect and I she got absolutely robbed for this for this category. But having said that, I'm gonna go with Anna Gunn as well. Part of that is out of unfamiliarity with the other roles i used to watch mad men but i i didn't see christina hendrix this season so I don't, i'm not sure about that but other than that the only one i watch is game of thrones so i'm gonna go with Anna gun as well okay um tiny do you want to intro the the next category the supporting actor in a drama series i'm getting kind of tired of reading the names <laughs> yeah um no problem let's see supporting actor in a drama series bobby cannavale for boardwalk empire uh jonathan banks for breaking bad uh, Aaron Paul for Breaking Bad, uh, Jim Carter for Downton Abbey, Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones, and Mandy Patinkin for Homeland. Interesting. Um, and another issue with that is I haven't seen some of those shows, but that's a pretty stacked category as well. Um, just looking at, I mean, Peter Dinklage, he's just incredible on Game of Thrones. That character is magnetic. He is, he is about the only thing that makes me want to watch. <laughs> His involvement. Interesting. I'm not saying it's bad. I, you know, I have, I have no critique of that show. I just, I just don't think it's. Right. You're just not interested in the fantasy or whatever or uh, the, that right. kind of thing. I think is what you, what you told me at one point. But Peter Dinklage, man, he's phenomenal. Um, there, there are scenes like, like Mike, for example. There's a scene where he's, he's talking to the, like his father in the show. And it's just it's a it's magnetic magnetic. I mean it's just it's just 
jaw-droppingly incredible because they're they're like they they have this relationship where he's he's kind of like the the black sheep of the family and he just basically the father is just it, it's just i can't really i don't know how to put it into words it was just really compelling can't really do it justice without seeing it right um what's your pick for that category matt um let's see i would oh yeah no question absolutely no question bobby cannavale for boardwalk empire nice in that in that season he played uh Gip Rossetti, which he was the uh kind of the villain of the season. Definitely the villain of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kind of there, but I mean he was just he was just he, I, I said this before, I think, but um season two ended in such a way that they they got rid of some characters. And by the start of season three, I mean there was there was kind of a void that needed to be filled. Not necessarily with a villain character or anything like that. Well, yeah, sort of with a villain character, but there was a void in the show that he just came in and he just he just dominated it. It was just he was it was just an un, unreal performance. I mean, it was just it was just amazing to me. Um, so I I just I really liked it. And I really hope he gets it. And uh, I mean, I, I think Aaron Paul can totally can totally get it, and I'd be okay. And Peter Dinklage as well um jonathan banks also um but I, I would just bobby cannavale all the way for me what about you mike um again just a matter of familiarity it's got to be aaron paul for me jonathan banks is good i love love mike uh, and unfortunately i don't think that these the last eight episodes for which this these nominations are referring are aaron paul's best of of Breaking Bad, I agree. Just for the body of work as a whole, and there's and there's moments of his that I love. There's an episode where they're in the garage and Walter says something as they're walking out. It's like the end of the episode. Says something to Jesse. So and so, so and so got in his way and um, just shot him. Yeah. Message. Okay. And he just kind of shrugs. Jesse, the look on Jesse's face, priceless. Oh yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite moments. I, I agree with your point too. I think, um, I think the, I think, I think Aaron Paul's best work was the second season of Breaking Bad. I think he actually won for that one, maybe. Yeah. I think he won for that for that season. But uh, I, I agree with that. And unfortunately, I have to go. I have to side with what Matt what Matt said about Bobby Cannavale. He, man, he was just absolutely like a, a perfect psychopath. Just. Um, I don't know. He he was the perfect personification of a psychopath, and he he just had absolute disregard for anyone except himself. Um, just perfect as a as just a crazy archetype archetype psychopath. He was perfect for that, and I I think he deserves that that role. Or I'm sorry, that that award. Yep, one of the most memorable performances in the past like five or so years in in television for me. Um, I need a retread for a second uh-huh. uh, to supporting actress. Okay. And this is going to be hilarious because I know Matt how you feel about. Uh oh. <laughs> however, you feel about the tone of Dexter, uh, about Michael C. Hall. Okay. And, and admittedly, it has dropped significantly in quality. But um, you know, spoiler alert: it's two seasons ago. Deb, Jennifer Carpenter's character, now knows about Dexter, that is a serial. Um, and they they're. The treatment of her knowledge of that and her reaction to it is is as genuine as you could imagine um, 
someone reacting to to finding out. But it was just it was um, acted so well that despite how so so many people feel about the show and the dip in quality, sure, uh, I can't help but recognize her work last season. And and while maybe she isn't better than a lot of these supporting actresses nominated, uh, she should have at least, you know what okay. I mean? Not a win, but I think she should have been recognized. You deserve the recognition. Okay, I can I can I can respect that. My feelings toward Dexter aside, because like I said before, I've only gave it seven episodes, so I can't really uh, speak to that. It just wasn't for me. And she is a non-factor in the first seven episodes of the show. I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can, I can respect that. That's cool. Um, Mike, do you want to uh, introduce outstanding drama series? I can. Outstanding drama series in alphabetical order uh, has Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones, House of Cards, Homeland, Mad Men. For me, uh, you know, this sounds like a broken record, but I'm not. Uh, familiar with all of these shows um i don't like mad men i don't get mad men i'm right there with you with in regards to mad men um but i would say that i would pick house of cards just because like i said that's this is a tough category it's a very tough category you have house of cards game of thrones breaking bad those are the three that i'm familiar with interchangeable for me i mean i i would give give house of cards but i wouldn't be upset if game of thrones or breaking bad got it um and then you have mad men which is a critical darling and people love it for some reason because i mean you know it's very popular for people who love to watch stuff not happen <laughs> God, i can respect that but uh but house of cards all the way for me because i was just blown away by that season um, just every piece, every piece fit together so well as a complete series of uh, a complete season of television. And I think with Breaking Bad, part of the part of the thing about it is that this past season, it felt like the first half of a season, which is what it was. And I think that's that that's one of the reasons why I would pick House of Cards over it, even though I think that Breaking Bad is still the best show on television just because it's grandfathered in at this point uh, uh, until the end of its run. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about Downton Abbey just real quick. Downton Abbey has permeated through every every piece of media that I consume in references and like people like, like Patton Oswalt will live tweet every episode and I'm it just it just annoys me because it doesn't seem like the type of show that needs to be live tweeted. Like you can't live tweet Downton Abbey, huh. um, and it just it just bugs me. And it kind of I I want to watch it, but I feel like it's I feel like there's an unreal expectation with me that everyone has built it up to be this great show, and I'm sure it is a very good show. But I just I I feel like it'll be another Mad Men situation for me because I was just gonna say I bet not. I bet it's like Mad Men. Yeah, huh. I that's why I'm so hesitant to watch it. Uh, but like I said, it's just it's it's all over the place, and I'm gonna watch it eventually. But same here. Yeah. Tiny, what's your pick for outstanding drama series? Ah, uh, man, it's such a Sophie's choice between Breaking Bad and House of Cards for me. Um, if if House of Cards was in its fifth season, I would go with that because I think that's the the biggest disparity between those two, specifically those two nominations. Very true. Is that you know Breaking Bad is going into its sixth season, 
whereas House of Cards had its first. But I don't think that's a really fair criteria to judge it on. I don't know, maybe. But I, yeah, I'm just going to have to go with Breaking Bad. But I'll probably say the same thing next year because it, it'll, be, it'll be its last season and I'm it's going to be awesome. There's no way it's not going to be awesome. So, But I, yeah, I'm going to go with Breaking Bad. That's That's a really good point because... Like you said, I mean, House of Cards, it was a very, very strong first season, and that uh, that has it going for it. It's that it's new, it's it's fresh, the writers haven't exhausted themselves with anything, and uh, I, I kind of wonder, like, th- that's the one that I want to win. I don't know if it will win or if it has the chance to win. I think that probably Downton Abbey will probably come up and, and steal it away from all of them because everyone loves it, and I don't, I don't watch it, but... Um, I think with House of Cards, it's still new. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the amount of nomina- nominations that they got is just indicative of, of people loving it so much, and not like, a, like being like, oh, everyone loves this, and it's kind of killing, killing traditional television. Let's just, let's just throw them some nominations, but not really vote for them or anything. Um, outstanding comedy series. We have oh, this one. Outstanding comedy series. We have top of my list or top of top of the file that i have on it the big bang theory <laughs> uh girls louis modern family 30 rock veep um you'll notice here that there's no parks and rec uh again i don't want to be a broken record but let's move past it um big bang theory i do not think is an outstanding anything i think that i mean jim parsons is is good but you can only take so much um i think my pick for this would be Louie, uh, even though I don't, I've only watched the first season. Um, call it going back to what you said, Mike, about it. That I mean, it's just Louis C.K. is he's a remarkable talent, and it's it's remarkable that his work ethic. I, I'm so happy that he's being rewarded for his for his work, like the literal work that he's pouring into this. Um, so I, I think that I would be happy with him winning, uh, with that winning. Uh, uh, Mike, what do you think? What What's your outstanding comedy series? Uh, Louis. Uh, I mean, of this list, Louis, for sure. Um, Modern Family is probably the will win, right? Do you guys think? Yeah. 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 Um, for Thirty Rock, because it has it was his last season for Thirty Rock, so one of those probably. I love the first season of Modern Family, and actually the third season of Modern Family was pretty good, but this last one lackluster can we talk about the the lack of love for uh uh rest of development oh yeah um i was gonna say that i mean we could probably do a whole episode about could, you're right um and maybe we will but no no that's fine um i i you know I, I think i'm gonna step on what tiny's about to say but i i liked the episodes i liked them a lot it felt like i was <laughs> watching it felt like i was in an alternate universe where it was never canceled, um, and the format was a little jarring at first, but I kind of got on board with it about two thirds of the way through. And I'm just—I haven't written a review about it for the site yet because I want to give it a second go and see how it how it sits on a second viewing. Um, but I'm, I was happy to see uh, Jason Bateman get nominated. Um, it, I mean, it could have taken the place of of The Big Bang Theory, clearly. Um, and Modern Family, I, I mean, I haven't watched it since season two. I actually had season the last two episodes of season two DVR'd for uh, um, for 
about a year or like six months. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm just, I don't feel like watching it. It was a burden to like, just even watch it. Cause I was just bored. Modern family is, is cute. It, it makes me feel like, uh, everybody loves Raymond 10 years ago. It's whereas yes. is it anybody's really favorite show? No, but can you sit down and watch it with the whole family and get some chuckles? Yeah, absolutely. It's the safe, the safe pick. It's the totally. safe show. Yeah. Uh, Tiny, you wanted to uh, talk about Arrested Development? Yeah, I actually disagree with both of you. I don't think it should have been nominated at all. I, I am not a fan of that the new season. I, I have, I've watched 12 of the 13 episodes or 11 of the 12, something like I have one left. And I, like normally something like that, I would just, just peel off the episodes just in like two, three days and watch all of them. But I think it's been like two months and I haven't even finished it yet. Wow. I, I'm not, I'm not adapting to the new format at all. And, and part of the reason I think is just because the first four, the first, the format of the first three seasons was just beyond brilliant to me. And I thought it was absolutely perfect as far as comedy goes. And they basically said, Hey, this is so great. Everybody really liked it. Not enough people watched it, but everybody that watched it pretty much across the board liked it and thought it was original and brilliant. So let's do away with that and start a new format. It's like, what, what were they thinking? I, I don't know. I just thought they should have stuck stuck to what they knew, and it would have been better. That's, I mean, the format's out of necessity, right? Because yes. they couldn't get all the actors at one time. Right. Right. Oh, I didn't which, realize which that. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It, contractually, they all wanted to do it, but couldn't at the same time. So you notice there's there's the where they're all in the penthouse at one time. That's when they're all together. And I think there's a quick one where they're at um, Quattro de Mayo. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Where Patrick they're all together. Patrick. Other than Patrick uh other than that, uh they could they just couldn't get them all at the same time, which which necessitated the 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 person by person. But that I agree, brings... the format is I I don't like that either. I would have preferred the ensemble I but... go ahead. Okay. Uh, I mean mine's kinda mine's kinda kinda reverse. Uh yeah, go ahead. The the thing for me about it, and I guess the thing about outstanding comedy series, kind of just something I made up. The way I like to rate comedy shows is the joke density, which is different from the JPM or the jokes per minute. A show like The Big Bang Theory uh, or Modern Family has a very high JPM. The joke density is the quality of jokes times the joke per minute. With a show like Seinfeld, which is just quality jokes through and through, shows like Happy Endings, which is quality jokes through or through, um, and Arrest Development. The thing about Arrest Development was while the, the format was jarring uh, and I missed the ensemble, um, the joke density was still there. And in comparison to The Big Bang Theory or 30 Rock, uh, I don't watch Girls, but even Modern Family, it, it just it had a better joke density. That's a fair point. That is. And... In- to speak about the format and not in the con- contractual obligations of the actors on Arrested Development, I will say that I liked the format because I thought that it, it was a good way. It was a good way to reintroduce the audience to the characters. Every character had their own episode, their own storyline, and it kind of was a good way to play catch up. And this is only like I'll I'll be on board with it if the next season or the movie, if they do a movie, if it is if it goes back to the ensemble. 
agree uh, 100%. Yeah, but I will say that while I did enjoy it, I did enjoy watching it. It felt like it felt like I was just catching up with old friends. Um, I will say that if they couldn't get them contractually obligated, or if they couldn't get them couldn't get them all back at once, maybe they should have just waited until they could get them all back. Because if you're gonna do it, do it right. That's my opinion. What my, what Matt just said. That's exactly what I say. If if you can't do it the way you want to, don't do it. They should they shouldn't have done it in my opinion. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that there was a contractual issue like that. And that's kind of why that the format was changed. I didn't realize that, but that doesn't really change my opinion. They shouldn't have done it then. That's that's how I feel about it. But I guess my my pick is my pick is for that category is actually uh, Modern Family. Believe it or not, um, I I actually really enjoyed this season. Um, and I, I agree, the Big Bang Theory shouldn't be in there. That should I would actually say I think Happy Endings should be in the place of the Big Bang Theory, and I would actually pick that. I think that should be in there, but I'll go with Modern Family. Okay. Not super excited about that category. Yeah. Um, Tiny, do you want to intro Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series? Kind of jumping up a little bit. Okay. Um, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. Uh, Laura Dern for Enlightened. Lena Dunham for Girls. Edie Falco for Nurse Jackie. Amy Poehler for Parks and Rec. Tina Fey for 30 Rock. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep. Interesting category. What's your pick for that, Matt? Uh, I think you know, judging from the rest of this episode. Uh, Amy Poehler, Parks and Rec. I've said my piece about that, and it's snubbed. It's snub, uh, it being snubbed. Having said that, I haven't seen it, like any of the other categories, so I'll just go ahead and say Parks and Rec, Amy Poehler. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, sure, I like Amy Poehler. <laughs> uh, I guess it's actually unanimous, because that's who I'm going to go with, too. I think she... I actually think Liz Lemon is a slightly better character, but I didn't follow this last season. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I'll go with Amy Poehler, but I actually think Liz, I think Tina Fey will probably win. Oh, really? I was going to say Lena Dunham. Yeah, either, either her or, or Tina Fey, but I think Hollywood likes Tina Fey a little better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Uh, Mike, do you want to do lead actor in a comedy series? Sure. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Alec Baldwin, 30 Rock, Jason Bateman, Arrested Development, Louis C.K. for Louis, Don Cheadle, House of Lies, Matt LeBlanc for Episodes, Jim Parsons. What's your pick for this, Mike? This is good. I like this one a lot. I, I love Jason Bateman, and I want it to be Jason Bateman. And the thing that's weird about it is for a show uh, that works because of the ensemble. The thing about Jason Bateman is, is he's the straight man in a cast full of nut jobs. Um, <laughs> but you don't get that in, in the fourth season of Red Sox. You really don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't say Jason Bateman. That being said, um, Louis C.K. Okay, good. Uh, I can get on board with that. Um, my pick... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I default to Louie because, well, I'll, you know what? I'll stand by it. Uh, I'll stand by Jason Bateman. I'll go with Jason Bateman because that first episode, uh, uh, Flight of the Phoenix or Rise of, Flight of the Phoenix, um, he it was just such a weird way to see Michael Bluth, and it was such an interesting change for the character. And I just think he, I think he nailed it. I, I really did. Um, yeah, and uh. Yeah, I'd go with that. Uh, Tiny, what do you think? Um, 
And I'm kind of, I'm actually going to kind of rule out Matt LeBlanc and Louis C.K. And I know you probably think that's blasphemy, but the reason is because they're kind of playing themselves to an extent. Obviously Matt LeBlanc, but Louis is Louis as well. Because I don't just looking at it as far as acting goes, like Louis the character is phenomenal. He's hilarious. He's interesting. He's a great character, but acting Louis C.K. is basically playing himself. So I'm kind of ruling ruling those two out. I haven't seen House of Lies. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, and I'm sick of, I'm just kind of sick of Jim Parsons. He's brilliant as Sheldon. He's, he's just beyond unique in that, in that role, but he's already won the award at least twice. He's been nominated like four times for it. So it's let it die. So I'm actually going to go with Alec Baldwin, 30 Rock. Cause again, just as far as playing a character like Alec, if you know about Alec Baldwin in real life, he's super liberal and just uh, kind of kind of annoying really in real life but he played the super conservative guy really funny guy on 30 rock and i i don't know I, again i had i didn't even watch the last season of 30 rock but just I, i'm guessing over i'm just pinning that on the overall arc of that character um i i love that character and i thought alec baldwin was just beyond perfect for that role i mean the role was written for him so i'm gonna go with alec baldwin okay good he also um, probably the will win. Yeah, I think so. Because again, lo- loved and it was the last season, so yeah, that's probably. I totally agree. Uh, should we close out that up ep- that category? Totally. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, say. Uh, well, we're up to. Uh, I skipped some like miniseries. We can debate. I feel like those wouldn't be very good debates because I don't think we've watched many of them as right. collective of all three of us. But uh, skip ahead to the last two uh, outstanding lead leads in drama um outstanding lead actress uh vera Farmiga is nominated for bates motel uh then we have michelle dockery for downton abbey uh claire danes for homeland robin wright for house of cards elizabeth moss for mad men connie Britton uh, uh for nashville and carrie washington for scandal now for me First of all, I will say that I'm I'm actually surprised that uh, Vera Farmiga got nominated for Bates Motel. Like I watched that show, I, I reviewed it on the site obsessiveviewer.com. <laughs> but <laughs> I just I just thought that it was I I she did she did a very she she delivered a very good performance, a great performance even as uh, Norman Bates's mother. Um, but some of some parts were a little a little much. And the scene kind of the the show kind of called for it, but I I don't think she I don't think she will win, and I don't necessarily think I, she should win because Docker I think Robin Wright deserves it, um, because her character she played uh, uh Kevin Spacey's wife, kind of this like Lady Macbeth kind of kind of character, um, and just the just their relationship as it played out on screen was just phenomenal, um. It was just a very deep, rich character, and she played it beautifully. Um, uh, Mike, what do you think? Uh, this is another one of those for me that I'm bow out quick. Say Claire Danes out of familiarity. Okay, sure. Tiny. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick. Um, geez, I just don't know. I'm not, the only thing I'm familiar with is Robin Wright because I just haven't watched the other stuff. Um, I will say that um, Elizabeth Moss as Peggy Olson, the first like three for Mad Men, the first like three seasons, she was my favorite character, and I thought she was incredible in that role. She was great. 
Um, but I guess just my pick, I'm going to go with Robin Wright. She was great. Okay. Um, so you, no love for Scandal? <laughs> I love Kerry Washington. She's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will, I will say that just as an aside that I saw, I saw this, uh, um, I heard that on the radio, like one of the, the commercials for Scandal, um, it was like the, there was a line that was just laugh out loud funny. It was, uh, I'm in, it was this man saying, I'm in love with a woman that's not my wife. And does that mean I can't be, I shouldn't, I shouldn't continue to be the president of the United States. And it's, <laughs> it just seemed like such a, such a weird. That's a crappy line. Yeah. Um, oh, let's didn't see. Bill Clinton answer that question? Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh, moving on. The lead actor in a drama, we have Brian Cranston for Breaking Bad, uh, Hugh Bonneville in Downton Abbey, uh, Damian Lewis for Homeland, Kevin Spacey for House of Cards, John Hamm for Mad Men, and Jeff Daniels for The Newsroom. Um, my pick, I'm actually, um, oh man, this is kind of a Sophie's choice for me because actually it's more than that because between. Brian Cranston for Breaking Bad, Kevin Spacey for House of Cards, and Jeff Daniels for The Newsroom. I just don't know. I, ah, <laughs> it's a Sophie's choice. I think I'm actually going to go with Jeff Daniels for The Newsroom, um, just for bringing that character to life. I think, I don't know, but part of me wants to say House of Cards. I don't know. I'm going to go with Jeff Daniels. Um, Sophie's choice. I don't know. Jeff Daniels. Sophie's choice with triplets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh... I'm going to go with Kevin Spacey. Spacey or Cranston. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I agree with Jeff. Jeff Daniels it was phenomenal. I mean, he was just incredible. And I mean, uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin's scripts, I mean, like in a, if an actor can't handle it, it shows through very clearly. It um, takes a special actor to read Sorkin. Exactly. Yeah. And he just, he defied my expectations, honestly. I mean, I was excited for it, but I was kind of hesitant thinking like, could Jeff Daniels really pull it off? Um, and he did just beautifully. Uh, I mean, he was just perfectly suited for the role, but, uh, and Cranston was great. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with House of Cards just because, uh, I love it. And Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Kevin Spacey throughout the season had these, had these cutaways, these monologues where he broke, breaks the fourth wall and he talks to the audience and it was just, it could have been just hacky and, and, and just really, really lame, but he just, he, it was he played it to the point where it was almost Shakespearean and it was just, it was just, it was just added so much to, to the show for me. And I think that he deserved it for that. Uh, Mike, how about you? Um, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm going to pick Brian Cranston. Sure. I, you know, I'm vaguely familiar with the first couple episodes of Homeland and Damian Lewis is good. I haven't watched house of cards yet. I wish I would. I, as, as handsome as John Hamm is, and that is a handsome, handsome man. He is. <laughs> Again, I don't get Mad Men. I don't think um, maybe he's not, for me, given compelling enough scripts to work from, so I don't think he's very interesting. All I know of the newsroom, uh, well, I know very Sorkin-y. Uh, all I've seen of the newsroom is, is that, quote, fine internet meme. Uh, we are not the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Um, but to to wonder if he would be good in the role is interesting because I I have no problem imagining doing Sorkin dialogue. Interesting. Well, I I'm I'm not surprised that he does it well. So 
I imagine if I watched that show, because I love Jeff Daniels, it might be harder for me to decide. Um, but my pick is absolutely okay. And he's just been pick. awesome. He's just been awesome these last two Breaking Bad. It, talk about Breaking Bad as just the the de-evolution of a of a character. And that's another stacked category. It really <laughs> is. Uh, yeah. I guess yeah. That's pretty much the end of the list, really. Yeah. It's the the big stuff. Yeah. How many okay. did we do those? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Um. Uh. Usually the way we wrap things up is we just kind of talk about what we're looking forward to next. Um. For me, uh, the big thing I'm looking forward to. It's kind of, it's, it's a little bit down the road, but it's a movie called uh, Twelve Years a Slave. I recently just found out about it. I wasn't even aware that it was being made, but it's it's a, based on a true story about a um a uh, black man who was born free in um I think this uh in New York State in like the 1840s and he is tricked by two men to come to Washington DC on on the guise of him getting a job and they end up kidnapping him and selling him into slavery in the south and uh it's the the main character is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor uh he's a british actor he's really Every time you you know exactly who he is if you saw him he's an incredible actor. Okay, have you ever uh, seen Red Belt? Red Belt, I haven't seen that. No. I haven't seen he, it either. It's uh, he's in that one. He's the main character in that one. Fantastic martial arts. One of the best, probably the best modern martial arts movie that oh, I can. Wow. Think. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I'll have to keep that on the list because yeah, that's cool. Definitely write it down if you like him. Um, get down with martial arts movie. That's definitely okay cool so yeah but that that movie looks incredible the the biggest selling point of it for me is that it's directed by uh steve mcqueen not uh not the action star from the 70s but the uh the new uh british british director who's only done a couple movies um he's the two movies i've seen of his especially hunger uh, 2008's hunger was just an earth-shatteringly incredible incredibly directed film um and so i'm really looking forward to what just anything he does, and that this this format I think is going to really play to his strengths. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Matt, how about you? Uh, well, uh, you know, I'll, you know, I'll go with uh, uh, Fruitvale Station. Um, it uh, it's got Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it's about the the Bart uh, Transit shooting uh, from back in like I think it was 2009. 2009, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I just like I, I didn't. Sadly, I didn't really follow the follow the story that closely, um, but I think that Michael B. Jordan, I honestly believe he's one of the one of the best young actors working today, um, and he has a lot of potential. Like I, he was he was in The Wire, which was just phenomenal. He his his role was incredible. He was in uh, Friday Night Lights, um, <laughs> and and uh, Parenthood. I haven't watched Parenthood yet. I keep forgetting the name. And uh, Chronicle as well. Chronicle, Chronicle and yeah. he just he killed it in Chronicle. Um, he he really flew high in that movie. Uh, I'm cutting that out. Uh, Mike, what are you looking forward to? Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Fruitvale Station. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think the next movie I'm going to see in theaters is The Conjuring. Really excited about The Conjuring. I, nice. Um, I'm a pretty big horror movie fanboy, and the, and the main characters uh, in The Conjuring are based on the based on the people who investigated a lot of these things, and this is one particular investigation, but they also investigated the Evil 
horror house and all that stuff. So I've read a lot about them, and I'm pretty excited about that trailer getting them going. Who's the female lead in that? Is that is it Vera Farmiga? Or am I wrong? She's yeah, she's the uh, I guess she's the other investigator. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But then the family is yeah, Vera Farmiga is the is the other investigator. Lily Taylor. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Who else is in that? Yeah, me neither. But that's cool. I I haven't seen much about it. I've seen the trailer a couple times, um, but it does look pretty cool. Um, I like the kind of 70s setting of it. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that too. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Tiny, do you want to count us out, or is there anything else we want to you want to discuss, Mike? Oh, not that I can think of. Finally, meet you, your voice. <laughs> I guess. I am real. I swear. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm convinced. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Um, thanks for thank thanks for joining us. Yeah. It was a real. It was. It, this was great. Yeah. Have to do it again. Absolutely. All right. Well, as always, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, if you're looking for more, you can check our past episodes um, on the website or on iTunes. Um, you can always go to the website to look for more content for articles. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Matt is at Obsessive Viewer, and I am at Obsessive Tiny. You can find us at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And uh, that's pretty much it. Um, thanks for joining us today. Mike, do you have anything you want to plug or anything? Or where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.